Hey, Relationship Transformers, welcome to the Relationship Transformers podcast. On today's episode, Stacy and I are going to dive deep into a dynamic that we see all the time. It sucks the energy out of you, causes kerfuffles, doesn't solve anything, and on top of that, it breaks down your relationship in the process. Want to know what it is? We'll start with that next. So let's cue up the intro and dive in. So the big question is this. How is it possible that one person alone can transform any relationship, save their marriage, create their unshakable love and unleash passion, divorce-proof their family without needing their partner to get on board and do this with them? How is it possible to do all this and yet still get to be happily, authentically you without compromise? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Paul and Stacy Martino, and welcome to the Relationship Transformer podcast. All right, so there's a common dynamic, and it's about getting stuck in the false belief that my way is the right way. And I don't mean mine. I mean, we all have this my way belief, right? That my way is the right way, and that my partner's way is just plain wrong. So how can I just get them to see X, Y, Z is always what we're trying to do, right? Like if they just saw it from my perspective, they would clearly see that they're wrong. They would correct the error of their ways and we would just all be on the same page because clearly I'm right. That's typically how we see it, right? Well, that's common and I get it, but you're missing everything when you hold on to that belief. So that's what we're going to talk about today. All right. So I'll start with an example. We had a student, we'll call her Susan. And Susan came to a call with us to ask a question about her parenting with her husband, Daniel, because they were really at odds. Uh, Daniel was very much wanting a disciplinarian approach with their parenting. And Susan was trying to implement relationship development, parenting kind of approach with the kids. And they were going head to head all the time with being frustrated with each other for how they were approaching their parenting, right? So Daniel was really frustrated with Susan because the kids were not listening. They were not behaving. They were not following through. And he wanted them to have a consequence, like a timeout or whatever it was. He was yelling at them. And he was very frustrated that Susan wasn't doing those things because he felt like nothing's going to change here if you're not getting on board with me in my parenting. And of course, Susan was watching Daniel be you know, firmer or yelling or being with the kids in a way that she felt now was demand parenting and really didn't want to participate in that, didn't want to see that continue. And she was really frustrated with Daniel because he wasn't really getting on the same page with her with the relationship development parenting and how that she could move forward with that. And a lot of Susan's work with relationship development parenting up until she came to this call with us was really focused on okay, I know what I can do and I'm going to work on other ways that I can get Daniel to see that relationship development parenting is the way and demand parenting is causing some damage. And she was so focused on like, okay, how can I get him to see that, you know, he's breaking down his relationship with our girls? How can I get him to see that they're really just learning how to circumvent him? How can I get him to see that? And it kept going on and on where that was her approach. Now, when that happens, It creates some negative results. And Susan wasn't getting very far with Daniel. And Daniel felt just as frustrated. He wasn't getting very far with Susan, meaning he's like, look, something has to work here. These kids need to be able to listen. They're not listening to you. And we need a stronger approach. So I don't know if you can relate. Um, Most people can, whether it's in your parenting, your money, whatever it is that's going on in your household, your relationship, your marriage, where 
You have one approach, your partner has another, and we spend so much of our time trying to get them to see, how can I get him to see that? How can I get her to see that? They're wrong. If they would just see it this way, I know they would get on board. And what Paul and I want to walk you through today, because it's it's really destructive and it doesn't get you anywhere. And I get it. It's deeply, deeply wired into our blueprints. And I want to explain that right now because you're not a bad person and you're not wrong. It's just this is the way we've been conditioned. And until you see it, you can't really do something about it because as much as I could teach you all of the tools in the Relationship Development and Parenting Toolbox, the truth is fundamentally deep down, you're going to be using them to try to get your partner on the same page with your way of parenting until you understand how to break this pattern. And so what I want you to get is that it's fundamentally wired into our blueprints. What happens is we spot a difference, right? So I go through life and at some point I spot a difference between me and you. And in that moment that I observe or spot a difference between me and you, one of us is right and one of us is wrong. Well, I can't be wrong, so you're wrong, so I need to convince you, so let's go. And that's kind of the process that we very quickly, unconsciously work through because we've been raised in this conformity mindset, this blueprint that, you know, the teacher says, who has the right answer, right? There's one right answer. The coach says, what's the right answer? Well, there's one right answer. Mom says, well, who did this? Well, there's one right answer. So there's always a need to be right in the conformity mindset, right? That a lot of us have been conditioned with. And as soon as we observe a difference between someone and another, we're like, well, one of us is right. One of us is wrong. I can't be wrong. So you're wrong. And so now is the, I start the game of I'm trying to convince you and we go. Everything we do and say and seek is based on how can I convince them that they're wrong and I'm right? How can I get them to see that? As long as you're doing that, you're focused on the wrong outcome. And so the foundation is flawed because no one is wrong. And that's where we're going to start now. So here's the first thing is we can't get out of our own way. Of course, we want to have that alignment, but you know, on parenting, for example, but we don't know how to get out of our own way. And we find ourselves fighting up front about this whole dynamic, which is what keeps us stuck from actually moving it forward in the direction that we wanted. And what does that come down to? It comes down to, in this case, Susan is trying to convince Daniel of why he's wrong, right? So as you just heard from Stacy, that's really not a great thing to try and do because people are going to resist that, right? It creates resistance right off the bat. Who wants to hear like, hey, you're wrong. And by the way, let me tell you why you're wrong. And then when you see it this way, you'll see the error of your ways. <laughs> Don't you love that when people do that to you all day long? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what you really uh, aspire to have in a conversation? So we do this, but we do it thinking, hey, we're trying to make things better. We do it with the best of intentions. Like, That's right. oh, let me just share with you what I know that's a better way. And yet, guess what? They have a reason right? They have a reason why they believe what they believe. But without it, when we approach it from a, a position of, let me show you why you're wrong, however nicely we do that, we're going to create some defensiveness on the other side. We're setting up ourselves for a tug of war. It becomes the my way versus your way, and then let's debate who's wrong. That's not exactly what we say, 
But in effect, that's what we're trying to do. And how are we possibly going to align when we start off the conversation with, let me convince you why you're wrong, and the other side is doing the same because they don't want to be wrong? And just to say there, like, a lot of the times we don't say, like, let me convince you why you're wrong. But because we move past that, right? We're going to try better skills than that. (laughs) But in the end, the fundamentals behind what we're doing is to convince them, is to convince them, is to convince them. So just check in with yourself, by the way. What is something that is a disagreement between you and your partner or you and your folks or you and your work or you and somebody else? And how many different ways have you already tried to convince them? Even though you might not say the words convince, even though you might not say the words wrong or right, in the end, at the core of everything, underneath it all, you're trying different ways to convince them. That's where the first failure point happens. Because the thing that allows the tug of war to exist is that both people are holding on to their side. Now, the first person to remove their trigger around this becomes the person who is now response-able to start shifting things. As long as you're both holding onto your side, the only problem you really have is that you're both holding onto your side and nothing can happen here. This is where people just give up. They stop talking about things. They add it to the we can't talk about these things list. The first person that's able to do what we're going to lay out for you right now is the person who becomes response-able able to start shifting things. Absolutely. And you'll also notice that along the way with that tug of war, the more this goes on, the longer this goes on, the the more time that elapses before you get through to the point of alignment, real alignment that's authentic for you, the more people start pulling harder on their side of the rope, right? So everybody's like really struggling on this one on their side, pulling even harder because you're pulling even harder on the other side. So you got to realize what's going on. Step one is getting that awareness like, hey, I'm in a tug of war already, right? That's that one thing alone, when you see that happening, should be a red flag. All right, so what do we do when we find ourselves in a need of a conversation that's gonna help us align on something like this to stop making this the way we show up? First of all is a perspective shift. Perspective shift that, look, people do not do things without a reason. There is a reason behind why they feel there's a different way. And there is no one perfect way for anything. And if you believe that your way is the only right way, that's your biggest flaw. Your perspective shift is that just like they see you as being wrong and they're very sure about it, you're doing the same to them. But both of you know that in your mind, this makes perfect sense. And I'm doing this for a reason. So you have to understand that nobody does anything without a reason. And it's not just to be counter to you or to piss you off. This is a case where they have a legitimate, logical, uh, historical, and among other reasons why this is real and that you should be listening to them. So the first thing you have to do is drop your resistance around the fact that there's actually another way and that your way may not be the right way. I love that. And so just to anchor that in, Paul says this all the time. Our students are always anchoring this in. I want to anchor this in for you. Nobody does something without a reason. And so whatever that kerfuffle has been, whatever that tug of war has been, I promise you that on the other side of the rope, that person has a good reason why they're holding on to their side of the rope. Most people would not like to engage in that kind of conflict. They're doing so because they don't want to give in. They don't want to give up. They have a good reason for it. Otherwise, they'd be like, you know what? Who the 
cares anymore. Do whatever, right? So, and which happens all the time too, which is not great, but they're holding onto their side of the rope for a reason. And the first step there is understanding that, okay, instead of me so focused on how I can convince them for my way, I need to start to understand what's their reason behind their way? How can I start to understand that? How can I start to appreciate that? And what's the other big perspective shift there, Paul? The other big perspective shift, at least in this context of the example we use today is, I'll just say, I'll pick a number, that I'm in a family of four now, not a family of one. It's not about me. It's not about your spouse. It's not even about an individual child. It's about the family as a unit. And there's no way everyone's going to see things the same way. We have to learn what it is that's important for others. We have to start accepting the fact that there are now, in this case, four different perspectives that are all valid, that are being brought to this situation. We have to release the belief that one of us can drive this, or one of us should, or one of us is the only one with the right answers. You're in a family now of four. You've become one. If you want to be able to navigate a lot of things automatically from a much more enlightened perspective, you will recognize that, hey, this is now a group think. This is now a family of four, and it's not just going to be my way. If you would just write that down on an index card and carry it with you, like however many people are in your family, we're a family of four, not a family of one, right? We're a family of six, not a family of one, whatever it is for you. I have said that countless times in our household, but it's really important for us to retain and remember, especially when we're holding onto the rope in a tug of war, like look at the rope. We are a family of four not a family of one. It can't just be my way. There are other humans in this family who all have independent thinking and ideas and needs and fears and wants and all of it. And we have to operate as a team for all of us. I can't just have my way because I chose no longer to live as a single person. I decided to get married. I decided to have children. I decided to be in a home with other people. And now I'm on a team. It cannot be my way anymore. We are a family of four now, not a family of one. And I need to keep re-anchoring myself to that. So I really encourage you. It's a huge false belief breaker. It's a great strategy. Write that down on an index card, repeat it to yourself several times a day and follow it. Now, don't do what a lot of people do, which is now I'm going to voice that to my spouse all day long. I'm going to tell my spouse, hey, you can't just have your way on this because we're a family of four, not a family of one. Live it. Live it. Don't preach it. Live it. Don't preach it. You live it first. Don't just be telling everybody. And it's key to remember that. So I'll go back to our example with Susan and Daniel. A great example of this is, okay, instead of just holding ground, right, on my side of the rope, when we started to say to Susan, okay, well, people don't do things without a reason. What's Daniel's reason? The first time she asked, she's like, oh, I don't, that's just the way he is. No, no. It's not just the way he is. What's his reason? And so we gave her tools and strategies for how to have a real conversation with her husband. And when she came back for the second time, she was asking the question about what to do next. Um, She said, well, he really wants his kids to be responsible and independent and know how to, you know, do things. And I'm like, well, is that something you want too, Susan? And she's like, yeah, I totally do. Great. That's excellent. Excellent. 
See, when you get to the reason behind why somebody wants something, sometimes you can find something there that you can align on as a great starting point. People don't do things without a reason. Sometimes people don't want to be punishing their kids because they were so harshly treated. Right now, you may not have that same need, but you can appreciate it. Sometimes people want to create more structure for their kids because they didn't have that kind of structure, right? Okay, well, you might not have that same thing, but now you can appreciate it. People don't do things without a reason, and it's time to, what I always say is float up from the hows, right? The how is like, how do we parent? How do we respond? What do we say? Okay, that can all be worked out later. Float up from the hows. Get to the whys. People don't do things without a reason. If we explore the whys deep enough, very often you'll find things that you can totally align on. I want my kids to be prepared for life. Great, me too. I want my kids to be able to be resourceful. Excellent, me too. I want my kids to have honor and integrity. Great, me too. We can align on so much when we float up to the whys instead of being stuck in the house. So that's the perspective shift, which is the first part of how to shift this. And how about the second part, babe? So now that we've had a perspective shift, that creates the opening for us, the opening to do something different here, to help change this dynamic for the better. So the second part of this is a strategy. And that strategy revolves around the fact that until I solve my own trigger, I'm not really collaborating with my partner. Instead, I'm just trying to convince them to do things my way so that I don't have to deal with my trigger needs or fears. Said another way, in effect, we stop trying to get our partner to solve it for us when we deal with our own trigger, because that's what we're really trying to fix here is our trigger around why we're hanging on to our side so vehemently. So just to tie that back to our example, and this just also anchored in because that is so important, right? When I asked Susan, like, talk to me about your side of the rope. Talk to me about why are you concerned about the way that Daniel parents your kids? Well, she said, well, I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about them getting scared of their dad. I'm worried they won't have a good relationship with their father. I'm worried about their self-esteem. I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried. Okay, well, we need to solve. Those are your triggers. You own your triggers. And as I said to Susan, I'm like, you need to solve those triggers yourself, within yourself, so that you're not going through life with them. Because until you solve those triggers, you're not really trying to collaborate on parenting with Daniel. You're trying to get Daniel to change his parenting to appease your discomfort because you have a trigger. And he feels that from you a mile away. And I'm saying this to you too, listening to me right now. Your partner feels that from you a mile away. They feel you coming. You're trying to convince them and you're white knuckling your hold on it because you need them to change so you can stop being fearful or so you can stop worrying or so you can get something that you need to do or you won't be blocked from something like you have a need around this. Well, that's our responsibility. Our personal responsibility is to solve our own triggers. Once you solve those triggers, and I can feel you might be thinking right now, oh my gosh, how am I supposed to solve those? Like, but you can, you can. Yes, you can be a parent and not have those concerns or worries anymore. We solve those triggers for people all the time. And once you solve that, now you can freely collaborate with your partner without trying to push them because you're trying to solve your own triggers through them. Our triggers are our own, and they are for us to solve. 
So by now you're starting to see that the real fuel behind that tug of war was your emotional trigger that's bringing the energy to this that you're really pulling with. You can imagine if you can drop that, how much more response able are you? A whole lot. And let me ask you this too, just to help you with this. Ask yourself when you're hanging on to it, which would you rather have? Some fears and emotional worries or the real collaboration that you're looking for? It's a choice. The two don't go together. Amen. So, and I will just say, because I know that some people will get so stuck right here at this point thinking, no, I, I'm just worried about my kids. I don't want them to be scared. I don't like all those things. Like I can't get past that. You can, right? You can. I worked with Susan in that moment and worked with her on her own triggers. A couple of things that we worked on is first of all, understanding that our job is to teach our kids how to navigate life not to control their lives so that only good things come into their world, but to teach them how to navigate life. And it's our personal responsibility to teach our kids how to navigate life when someone's being a jerk. Whether that jerk is the kid on the bus or grandma or me or their dad, we need to teach our kids how to navigate that without it having an impact on their self-worth. So trying to get dad to change instead of teaching your kids how to navigate life is actually robbing you of a very powerful opportunity for personal growth for you and your kids. Yes, you will still have conversations with dad about parenting, but the energy behind it will be how to serve my family and not, I need you to do this because I'm scared of what it's doing to my kids. That's a world of difference. Can you see that? Can you feel that? When you're going into any relationship situation and you're trying to convince the other person, you're like dead in the water. You just got to stop. You have to stop and ask yourself, why do I need this? What am I afraid of losing? What am I worried about? What am I trying to get out of this? What is it? Find your own trigger and solve it. And then you can truly show up to collaborate from an energy of peace for the good of everybody, not just for the good of, I need to feel better about this and I have to. So I hope that that anchors it in for you and that you see the difference there. Yeah. And then once you solve your triggers around this, then you can really come to your partner and collaborate in the way that you really wanted to from a place of openness where you really are able to hear what they're saying, even though it may conflict with your beliefs in a way that it'll be truly heard and understood. And then you've got something to work with. And I will just say that, you know, Paul and I were in the same boat when we first started many years ago, and we had to learn this the hard way. I'm trying to shortcut it for you with strategies, right? Paul's trying to shortcut it for you right here with strategies. But while we were figuring this out, I'll never forget the huge ahas I started having where when I truly let go of my own triggers, my own fears, and I started listening to my husband's perspective from the energy of genuine openness, of wanting to appreciate his perspective, I realized something that I have come to understand is a fundamental gift of marriage, which is that there are so many gifts in my husband's perspective that are there for me. When I stop fighting it, when I stop being afraid of it, when I stop saying, nope, 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 and I really hear him, like my husband has an unbelievable perspective and I had a lot to learn. And I'm sure Paul would say the, the same. same with me. Absolutely. In reverse. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So there's so much there 
But the minute when we're in resistance to them or when we cause them to go in resistance and defensiveness to us, we can't hear it. We're not getting the gift from it. And we're both staying in struggle. All right. So take us through some action steps, babe, before we wrap up. Yes, always. We want to leave us some action steps. So number one, catch yourself. When you are trying to convince someone else that you're right, just catch yourself. That's the red flag. Number two, listen. Listen with curiosity and see what you can appreciate or gain from listening from the other perspective. There's a gift in there. Number three, action. Stop doing demand relationship and trying to convince everyone of your way or bring them to your side. Up-level your skill set so that you can collaborate and build up your relationships instead of breaking them down. Awesome. And if you would like our help with that, we have a great launch going on right now. Get your tickets to Relationship Breakthrough Retreat at relationshipbreakthroughretreat.com. This is our three-day immersion event. You do not want to miss this. We go so deep into the tools and the actions. It's just, it's a game changer. It really is. And right now we're doing a a huge launch giving away a big stack of bonus programs when you get your RBR 2020 event ticket. So go to relationshipbreakthroughretreat.com, check it out because you will love it. And if you love this podcast, don't forget to share it and spread the message with those people who might benefit from hearing it. You know, that's our mission is to serve families and you're a part of that. You're a big part of that, helping us reach the families who need us. Because remember, together, We are changing the way relationship is done. Are you ready to catapult your relationship to the next level? Would you love to do that in just three days? Well, Relationship Breakthrough Retreat tickets are open. This is our live three-day event. We only do this event once a year. It's a three-day live immersion experience with me and Paul, where you get to have your relationship breakthrough within those three days. This is not a couples event. Your partner does not need to come to this event. There's no couples work going on. It's a fun, high energy, life changing, impactful immersion experience where your relationships will catapult forward within those three days. It is not to be missed. Check out relationshipbreakthroughretreat.com for information and tickets.